This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, we are continuing with our topic of Yirat Shamayim, of fear of God. And we said there were three different levels. Uh, the lowest level is Yirat HaOnish, which we said is the fear of punishment. Hashem will get the big stick out and whack. And uh, we all have troubles in our lives. And it's ironic because a tzaddik has more troubles than a rasha. We're going to talk about it tomorrow, but the idea that a tzaddik, a righteous individual, Hashem loves the person, and therefore he gives them troubles in this world so they don't get troubles in the next world. So it's everything, the slate is wiped out in this world. So a person sees something bad happen, they should say kapara. Kapara means atonement. The slate is being wiped out in this world. Whereas if Hashem doesn't love someone, this is this is really counterintuitive. If he doesn't love someone, they get a good time in this world. Hashem is paying them back for all the good they did in this world. Right? And that's how the Gemara answers. Sadiq there's a righteous person who's doing badly, and there's a wicked person who's uh, doing well. When you see someone doing well, you shouldn't envy them. We don't know what's going on. You know, it's an amazing story. It's a wild story. This is Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Kiva was totally counterintuitive. Uh, Rabbi Laza ben Azariah, the great Rabbi Laza ben Azariah, who was the, the Nasi, the prince, for many years, and he was a young man, he became a prince, right? We talk about in the Haggadah, his beard turned white, he was 18 years old, he looked like a man of 70. Well, towards the end of his life, he had a great life. Rabbi Laza ben Azariah had one of the greatest lives, right? Rich man, he's a rabbi, chief rabbi, he has all the honor, all the glory, and all the money, never suffered in his life. Towards the end of his life, he got very, very sick and was suffering. And all the rabbis went to see him, and they're all crying. See the chief rabbi suffering. And Rabbi Kiva's laughing. Kiva, he's your rabbi, how can you? What's going on with you? He said, all my life I worried about this man. It's impossible that he never did anything wrong. He never got punished once. He never got anything wrong. Maybe Hashem was worried. Maybe Hashem is paying him off in this world and he'll suffer in the next world. But now I see him suffering in this world. I'm very happy for him. Wild. This is wild stuff. It's the totally opposite way we think. Because we think we're suffering in this world. Oy, Hashem doesn't love us. No, it's the other way around. Hashem loves us and gives it to us now, not later on. It's amazing. A little suffering in this world wipes out years and years of suffering in the next world. It's amazing. It's, uh, because over here, that we feel the suffering more, apparently, with the body. The body, we don't have a body in the next world. It's spiritual suffering. It's worse. But there's no body to get the kapara, to get the atonement. The body did this. The body tasted the sin. How are you going to punish the soul for a sin that the body did, you know? You know what I mean? So if the body gets pain, sa'ar, the body's paying back. It's the way it should be. When the body pays back, the soul doesn't have to suffer so much. Right? So a person should say, you know what, I'm suffering in this world. I don't want to say it, Baruch Hashem. But you know what, there's different ways to suffer. Right? Um, so it's better to have many small sufferings than one big one. Everybody should have, all of us should have many small sufferings than one big suffering. And we should all live long, healthy, productive lives. That's the main thing. Suppose a person has living a long, there's no one, there's no one who doesn't suffer. 
I don't know, anyone doesn't have, everyone has their problems. Some have big problems, some have small problems, but we all have problems. Don't think, you see someone smiling, he doesn't have problems. How can you smile when you have problems? Ari, how can you smile when you have problems? And the answer is, bitachon. It's very hard. It's very, very hard. Sometimes you don't know the guy's problems. He's smiling. Why are you smiling? Don't you have problems? No problems. So, don't you have problems? I don't have problems. What do you mean don't have problems? Hashem is worrying about my problems. You know, there's a story about a rabbi and his wife. So the rabbi never had any money, and he never had this, and he never had that. But he, never, he was never worried. His wife can't take anymore. She says, why aren't you worried? Why aren't you, why aren't you looking sad and miserable? So Tal, he says, do you know I have a very quick brain? He says, yeah. So because I worry very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> It's very hard not to worry. Especially if there's problems and this and that. Whatever. All our troubles would be financial, not, not health-wise. I don't want to say that even. I don't want to open my mouth. No, we don't have troubles. We don't have troubles. Let's get the best way to do kapara is what we're doing right now. This is the best kapara. It's a beautiful summer night. And we're inside in the air conditioning. Okay. <laughs> it's not the same because it's beautiful outside. We're here and we're learning Torah, and that is kapara itself. That itself, kapara. If you're getting enjoyment from the kapara, it's even better, right? You're enjoying the kapara. Learning Torah is the best atonement for anyone. It's the best atonement. Why? Because it doesn't just atone for a person, it cleanses a person. Right? The Torah is like a mikvah, and Hashem himself is like a mikvah. Mikvah Israel, Hashem. Mikvah Israel, Hashem. Hashem is the mikvah Israel. So when we learn Torah, we're connecting ourselves to Hashem. We're dipping in the mikvah. Our minds are being purified. Our bodies are being purified. It's the best kapara. So a person says, you know what? I don't want to suffer. Okay, so learn Torah. Learn Torah. Spend time which you would normally spend eating, learning Torah. Oh, that's kapara. Spend time you would normally be sleeping, learning Torah. That's kapara. I was reading yesterday about uh, Rebetzin Kanievsky. You read the book? It's a beautiful book. It's a very good book for Rabbi's wife to read because she was nurturing a gadol ador. Her whole life was dedicating to help her husband learn Torah. How many women would do that? She dedicated her life to make sure that her husband would be able to learn Torah without any problems. What does that mean? She took upon herself the burden of paying all the bills. She worked two jobs. She raised the family. She would wake up 2.30 in the morning to make sure he had tea. She would wake up and learn Torah at 3.30. It's wild. I mean, she dedicated her life to him. She wouldn't go to family uh, weddings. Because he says, when you're home, I, f- I learn better. She says, you do? Okay, I'll stay home. It's wild. She barely got up. He said, when, you, when you're home, I feel better. I learn better. So she dedicated herself. Look what she produced. There's a gown. She produced a gown. Baruch Hashem. So that's kapara. It's kapara for the sake of furthering the Torah. So it's kapara. person says, you know, I can get a fantastic job. I can be the CEO of a company. I can make lots of money. But I'll dedicate myself to learning Torah instead. That's major kapara. Major kapara. You can be doing sorry, 50 other things. Suppose we do, they're qualified to do 50 other things, and they take upon themselves to live very simply. Tremendous kapara. So that should be the best kapara person's get. Right? 
person takes Shabbat off. Kapara, it could be earning money. It could be working. It could be enjoying themselves in the mall or whatever. Nice days, let's Torah. That's kapara, it's tremendous kapara. So, Bezradashem, we'll all get that kind of kapara, nothing else. That's the best kapara we want. Kapara, shifti Hashem, kol yamei chayai. Person should dwell in the house of God all the days of their lives. Lachazot b'noam Hashem to get the glory, and that's really Ganeden. Ganeden is tasting. We just saw the movie last, yesterday, last, last week, right? About his, uh, this person who passed away and he had some kind of uh, post death experience, after death experience, and he tasted the feeling of being near Hashem. He said, There's nothing to describe it. Pleasure. But we can get a little bit of that in this world. We have to try and taste, not just taste it, but be sensitive to it. And also find it desirable. That is the that is the secret. If you want to enjoy the next world, you have to start building that up in this world. It's a required taste. Require the taste of learning Torah. Require the taste of being in a synagogue. Require the taste of uh, spirituality. And then you can appreciate it in the next world. Otherwise, it's going to be like hell. Where's the golf? Where's the golf course? In the next world. Guy goes to the next world. It's like I thought it was like Florida, like retirement. No, it's not. It's a spiritual retirement. Spiritual retirement? No, it's all me. Not ready for it. So, let's go back to Yerat Shemayim. So first we said is Yerat HaOnish. Fear of the punishment. Everyone's fear of the punishment. That's how we got into this topic. Of punishment sometimes, hopefully they're small and minor, or Kapara, a person can choose the Kapara. It's a beautiful day, and he says, you know what, I'm Kapara, Hashem, I'm going to learn, I'm going to stay inside. I'm not going to enjoy the beautiful sunshine, I'm going to sit inside in your house and learn Torah and praise you. Retailing. I'm going to retail him today. You know, it's such so powerful. Sefer Tehilim is so powerful. David Amela prays to God. He says, when, I, when someone says Tehilim, may it be like they're learning the hardest Gemarot. May reading the Tehilim be the hardest Gemarot. Now, the trouble is we don't have the answer Hashem gave him. <laughs> we don't know what Hashem answered him. Hashem didn't say, you're right, okay. But that's also... If he prayed such a thing, you can assume he was answered. And praying to him has got powerful. I think she, she, would, she would say the whole book every day. Robert Kanievsky. So he, got, he woke up 3.30. What are you going to do at 3.30? So she's saying to him. Husband's learning to write. Amazing. Amazing woman. This woman was an amazing woman. Amazing woman. She dedicated her life to produce, to look after this man. Why? Because she wanted to make sure he was learning Torah 24 hours a day. Not 24, he would sleep 3 hours. Or no, 5 hours. Okay, 5 hours. From 10 to 3, can you imagine you sleep? Hard to imagine. But she was used to it because her father did the same thing. Her father was Rabbi Yashif. Did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rabbi Yashif's father did the same thing. Rabbi Yashif's grandfather did uh, So it's like in the family. She had many sp- On one side, she was from Ariel Levine. Rabbi Ariel Levine. What a family, what a... Tremendous, tremendous merits. So, the first level that we said is fear of punishment. Second level we said is, oh, that's high. It's so high. It's, it's hard to even think about this level is awe of Hashem. How do you get to the level of awe of Hashem? You have to have some inkling what we're talking about. How do you get to awe of Hashem? Hashem is watching me now. How do you feel it? How do you grasp it? So the answer is you have to act as if Hashem is, is watching you. If you act this, the way Hashem is watching you, then you can start sensitizing yourself Hashem is there. If you don't act like Hashem is there, 
It depends how sanua a person is. Everyone's around. No one's around in the room and they change their clothes. How much sniu do they have? Why? Because when they have sniu, it's like someone is there. So Hashem is there. If Hashem is there, it's sniu. So you're going to act like it as if Hashem is there. Would I do this? Well, no one's watching me right now. No, Hashem is watching. person thinks Hashem is watching, Hashem is watching. And they have to build up that concept of Hashem being around them. When they build up the concept of Hashem being around them all the time, that's a hard one. Because we're all fallible. So maybe Hashem is not watching right now. That's the rationalization. Tremendous rationalization. That's the rationalization of Adam Rishon. Adam Rishon thinks Hashem's not watching him. Till he hears God's voice in the garden, and he says, Oh, Hashem's coming, Hashem's coming, Hashem's coming, Hashem's there 24 hours. How can there's he forget? Also, there's also the idea of like, the other thing of knowing Hashem is watching than just like rationalizing the actual behavior, but he doesn't mind. Yes, yes. You could say Hashem's watching. You can rationalize that Hashem is not watching. You can say rationalize Hashem doesn't care. You can rationalize this is not really wrong. Plenty of ways to rationalize. And that we talked about many times. The sin of the Nachash. Nachash is rationalization. And that is what we have to try and remove. That's what we're fighting. That's the Yisra. The Yisra is, it says, The snake put a little bit of his dirt, his filth, his poison into Chava. What is that dirt from the snake? Power rationalizing. That is the snake dirt. Nachash, Nichush. It's very, it's, it's so obvious. It's so beautiful. He put the dirt into Chava that all her children would have this ability to rationalize. And it's such a powerful ability. We can rationalize anything. And that's why the test to be on the Sanhedrin was if you could prove that something not kosher is kosher. Using the Torah logic, you can rationalize, you have to be able to be on the level to realize how powerful rationalization is. And then you can understand all the people who are coming to the Beit See how psychology works. Amazing. Human psychology. The guy really believes he's right. Why would two people come to argue in the Beit This guy thinks he's got the right claim and the other guy thinks he has the right claim and they argue. How can both be right? And the answer is the Sanhedrin has to understand how the person can rationalize to prove that he's right. They're both right. Right? Two people come holding on to a talit. Right? And one says, it's mine. The other one says, it's mine. What do you make them swear? How do you make them swear? What do, you, what do you tell them? They both think it's theirs. So we have to find a way, the Gemara says. It's Gemara Bab Metziah. Shnai Mochzim Betalit. It's the first chapter of Bab Metziah. So the Gemara says, we want to make sure they take an oath each. Or we want to make sure that the oath can possibly be true, not false. If we make each one say that it's, it's all mine, one of them is definitely a liar. So we're going to tell each one to make an oath that at least half of it is mine. <laughs> so this way it's possible that the oath is a true oath. Or is it going to cause them to make Because they really believe it, this whole thing is their mind. So what's the case, the Quran says, is they both found the talit and they picked it up around the same time. So one says, I picked it up first. The other one says, no, I picked it up first. They didn't see, they weren't aware. There was no clock watch, there was no person watching... So they both think it's this. So now we want to make them swear to make sure that they're telling the truth. But we don't want to make them swear that one of them will be alive. So we make them swear. Each one says, I own at least 
you know, not less than half. The other one says, I own le- not less than half. For me, split it in half and give each one a half. But we see the power of rationalizing. It's possible that a person will believe that he picked it up first. He rationalized, I picked it up first. No, the other guy said, rationalized, I picked it up first. One of them is definitely lying. But he rationalized. Or he made a mistake. But that is our Yetzirah. That is the snake. The snake is this power to rationalize anything. We can rationalize anything. We can rationalize Hashem's watching. We can rationalize Hashem's not watching. We can rationalize Hashem's watching. He doesn't care. We can rationalize uh, the Hashem doesn't mind. It's really a mitzvah today. This Avera is a mitzvah. And the mitzvah is an Avera. It's amazing how people can rationalize anything. We can make anything into a bit. The Rambam says if you do an Avera three times, it becomes like, for you, it becomes like a mitzvah. Better plan. If you do it three times, it must be, it must be a mitzvah. I mean, everyone's doing it. I'm doing it. So it's a mitzvah. It's a It's a mitzvah. People drive to shul every Shabbat. For them, it's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah to go to shul. You rationalize it. It's very, very hard to talk people. It's very hard to talk people out of it. It's very hard. Someone came to me and says, my business is open, but I give a lot of charity. I give a lot of stakah. Okay, so rationalize the fact that your business is open on Shabbat by giving staka. Say, no, that's not, that's, not a, that's not an answer. Don't keep it open on Shabbat. Yeah, that's, you can rationalize anything. I'll rob the bank and I'll give it to Manny. That's yeah, Robin Hood. Is that allowed? The answer is no. Unless it's people are never So that's the second level, is awe of Hashem. Oh, that's so high. That's, how do you get awe of Hashem? How do you get awe of Hashem's presence? Hashem is here 24, a person's got to imagine Hashem is here 24-7. I was reading earlier, in Sefer Messiah, another book. He says, Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov are mentioned in the Psukim in order, in Tanakh, 24 times. It says all three names, Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov in order. 24 times. Why? Because they thought about Hashem 24-7. 24 hours a day. How do we know? Because even Yaakov, when he's dreaming, is thinking about Hashem. There's God in this place, and I don't know. He saw the ladder going up to heaven. He's thinking about Hashem all the time. He's awake, he's thinking about Hashem. He's sleepy, he's thinking about Hashem 24 7. Greatness of it. Why? Because they know Hashem's there. David Amel says, even though I walk through the valley of shadow death, fear no, you, Hashem is with me. It's very hard. It's very, person's got to think 24 7. It's a very strange, yeah, but the truth is, when a person thinks Hashem's with them, it's much more comforting. It's very comforting. It can be very scary as well. But in a sense, it's very comforting that Hashem is with us. So a person says, Hashem is with me, I don't want to scared. Hashem is with me. Very comforting. That's why we wear a talit. Man, a man wears a talit. Surrounded by, a person should think when they wear the talit, they're surrounded by the power of God. We're under the, under the cloak of God, under the wings of God. That's what it symbolizes. So how does a person get to awe of Hashem? A person has to visualize hard. Hashem is here. Hashem is here with me right now. It's very hard. Kids have fun with it. Where is Hashem? He's everywhere. He's, he's right here now? Yeah? He's inside me? Yeah, he's all over. He's inside you, outside you. It's everywhere, everywhere, everywhere in the world. 
the Rav Chaim Velashen said, never Shachayim. Even the bathroom, but we can't say it. Shem is everywhere. There's no place where he's not. His kavod is everywhere. It's everywhere in the Kedusha. So that's the second level is all Vashem. It's very, very high level. And then he says the third level is really part of the second level. What is the third level? Fear of sin itself. Yirat Chet. Not Yirat Onish. Fear of the punishment is the lowest level. Or Vashem is the second level. A third level, he says, is based on the second level, which is fear of the sin itself. So he said, we translated the word Chet. It doesn't mean sin. It means missing the mark. You're missing the mark. I'm trying to go somewhere and I'm totally off base. It's interesting. The further you want to go, the smallest variation in angle leads to millions of miles away. Imagine they aim the rocket at the moon and they're off by two degrees. Psh, That's about miles. So we're trying to get to Olamba. We're trying to go to the spiritual world, which is endless. We're off by a few degrees. Don't end up anywhere. Scary. Chet. And that's something which we have to work on. Yirat chet. Fear of the sin itself. Why fear of the sin itself? Because the sin is going to take me away from God. By sinning, I'm moving myself away from God. Now the person says, okay, so I, I move myself away from God. I'll get closer. No, don't understand. When you move away from God, God moves away from you. Oh boy. Now it's double the distance. Oh boy. And the faster we move away from God, the faster he moves away from us. That's a hard one. Just like two people walking away from each other. It's not like I'm walking away from God. No. Every, every action is equal opposite reaction. We know that. Laws of momentum. When the spiritual world is called Midah Kanege Midah. Where do we see this? We just read it. We just read it last week in the parasha. Going to Rashi. With all your hearts. With all your soul, even if they take away your soul, you have to give your soul for the sake of God. And with all your meodecha, your money, your might, your money. Rashi says over there, no explanation. You have to love God with everything He does for you. All the ways He treats you. So he translates Meodecha as Midot, the way God treats us. Which means, if God is kind to you, love God. Obviously, you will. If God is mean to you, love God. That's so hard. Really, let's not go there. But, you know, I'm doing many funerals now. It's getting on my nerves. It's hard. But the bracha is, you have to say bracha. I got to say bracha. It's so hard to say the bracha. Tayan Haimet, I was going to say a bracha. It's so hard to say the bracha. You to say a bracha. It's easy, it's easy to say the bracha, with, uh, but say a bracha with joy. How, how can you do that? That's an angel. Only an angel can do that. But that's the answer. That's what Rashi says. Love God, whatever He does to you. That's hard. So usually people are fair weather friends. 
And I had a guy, my, I had a guy just come to me two weeks ago. He said, how come? He says, Rabbi, he says, I don't understand. When I was making money, I had 30, 40 people around me. He says, now when I, I need help, no one wants to know me. Hmm. Nobody. They don't want to talk to me. They ignore me. They walk away from me because they're scared I'll ask them for something. A lot of people like that. When Hashem gives them, but by the way, when Hashem gives as well, we don't pay attention. That's the trouble. There has to be hakarat atov when a person, when things are going well, then we have to appreciate more. Thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God. Baruch Hashem, and a person's got to really thank Hashem. Sometimes when you go to sleep, we forget. And not only that, but we do have as well on top of that. Why? Because things, when things go well, it's ironic. When things go well, people are further away from God. It's ironic. When things go bad, the guy runs the shul, opens the Arun HaKodesh, he's crying, and he's saying, Torah, da 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 I need a minyan, and then tefillah. Ironic. But that's God's way of telling the person to come closer. You don't realize. Shabbos say, you're getting distracted. I'm going to give you a little reminder, you need me. Uh, hopefully we'll never need, need that reminder. We should, we should act like we need God every day. Things are going well, and things are not going well. Things are going well, we have to... You know what? It's the best thing to do is act happy when things are going well. Thank you, Asher. A million times, a million times. So a person doesn't need that reminder. You know, just a few years ago, the economy was terrible. People were losing their jobs. And it was a disaster. And a person who had a job then would have to say, thank God, a million times, i got a job. I'm so happy, so lucky. Because the person doesn't thank God, they're going to lose a job. Very simple. If you don't appreciate a job and you treat your boss like dirt, uh, goodbye. <laughs> have to appreciate what you have. The person's going to appreciate what they have. Look at Yosef HaTzadik. This is wild. Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef HaTzadik was in the worst locations in the world. He was a slave in Egypt working for this mamzer. What's his name? Potiphar. His wife was even worse, Potiphar's wife. And yet, he's working as a slave. Now, what would be a person's reaction when they get sold as a slave? Depression. I'm a rich man's son. Totally depressed. I'm a slave. I'm a free man. What are you talking about? You're a slave. What does he do? He rises to the top. Puts his efforts into becoming a good slave. Best slave you could find. Until he becomes the manager of the house. Wow. Again, no, they throw him in the pit. In the pit, in the, in the jail with you, dungeons. What does he do in the dungeon? He becomes the best model prisoner you could ever find. Until he becomes the, the assistant to the head jailer. Wild. Why do you get depressed? Right, I, tell you, I don't know. It's amazing. Yosef is amazing. He's always rising. He's always trying. He's always striving to reach the best. He doesn't give up. That's a key. You know, that's a miracle to all of us. I'll tell you the story of uh, Mr. Sheikh Ebar, who lost his m- millions twice. Till finally he's 50 years old and he's working in a store. And he made it all back. That's Yosef Hatzarik. His, son his son's name was Yosef. His name was Gabriel. Gabriel, oh, that's Gabriel, that's might. That's the might. The might of Hashem. Never give up. Never give up. The truth is, that's Jewish history. We're thrown out of one country. In a few years, it's a miracle. Jews pick themselves up, they work hard, and they build themselves up again. It's a miracle. 
I knew a Russian guy who became multi-millionaire. I did a brick for his son. This is, I don't know, many years ago. I did a brick for his son. Very wealthy man. How do you make wealth? He said, well, I took people's old computers over here and I sold it into the Soviet Union. Because the old computers here were much more advanced than the, their computers over there in those days. You know, when, the, when, the, when the wall went, fell down, the Kremlin, when they allowed uh, glasnost. Uh, the Soviet Union was really behind when it came to computers. They never had these laptops and their computers. Whatever. So you would take all the old use surplus and sell them over there. He made millions. Mm. But he came here penniless. That's Yosef. That's the middle of Yosef. And that takes a lot of strength and power. I mean, it takes a lot of might in terms of focus, not to get depressed. If there's a God, whatever I lose, I can make it again. And that's the Jewish motto. We lost all our money in Spain, and they moved to the New World, became wealthy again. We lost more money, lost money again in Brazil, came here, and we started again. That's Jewish life. As long as you know how to do it, and you have bidachon, you can do it many times over. Start from scratch. It's amazing. It's a miracle. If Hashem is with you, and that's what we have to think. Hashem is with us. That's what we have to think all the time. That's, that's knowledge of God's existence. That's what we have to do. That's the first mitzvah in the Torah, is to know there is a God. The first mitzvah, the Koyit Rambam, is to know there is a God. Not to believe in a God, but to know there's a God. Okay, I know there's a God. But is He with me now? That's up to you. Of course He's with you. But the Rambam says, he's only really with you if you think he's with you. He's there, but he's not with you, with you, because you're tuned out of him. He's around, but he's not with you. What does that mean with you? Because he's not tuned into you because you're tuned out of him. If you're tuned into God, God's tuned into you. You get Hashgaha Pratit, that's amazing. You get divine providence personalized to you. You got ten people waiting for the train. One person is thinking about God. What does God want from me? Why is the train late? Why is it late? He's walking around with a force shield around the person. Hard to imagine. Imagine you have people sitting in the train. So some people are listening to Torah tapes. Some people are just... They're on their Blackberry. Blackberries. Allah Shalom. They're on their Nook and they're on their... I don't know what. Uh, they're reading their Amazon Fire. I don't know what they're reading. They're, they're reading their newspapers. They're, so one guy's tuned in, and one guy's tuned out. It's very hard to be tuned in all the time. It's very, very hard to be tuned in. Even when a person reads the news, they can say, what does God want? What is God telling me? What is God trying to tell me from the news? I'll tell you, we have to thank God a million times today. If the, every time you read the news in Israel, there's nothing happening. Baruch Hashem, a million times. There's no action. I like, I like reading about action, but I don't want action in Israel. Baruch Hashem. Every day that nothing happens, we have to a million times praise Hashem. Praise Hashem every time. So we have to get this awe of Hashem. Hashem, you know, that's why, that's why it's important to live in Israel. Because the true awe of, of God is in Israel itself. There's more Hashgacha in Israel than anywhere in the world. It's harder to live in Israel. You need God more. When you need more God more, He says, okay, I'm here. They need God more because they're surrounded by all the garbage. They're surrounded by all the enemies. They want to surround by people who want to eat them up alive. And there's billions, there's millions of them. There's 200 million around us, surrounded. It's a miracle, we're living a miracle. 
We need God more. So person's going to think, when you go to Israel, we need God more. We need God more, God more, God more, God more. That brings the person to a higher spiritual level, much higher level. Plus you have all the holy sites. You go to the Kotel, you feel something. Feel the presence of Hashem. We have to be able to feel Hashem's presence. But can you imagine, a person says, I feel Hashem's presence in my house, just like I feel Hashem's presence at the Kotel. He's probably a liar. But that's the way it should be. We should feel, if you feel Hashem's presence in your house, you will feel Hashem's presence much more in the Kotel. We have to make us sensitize ourselves. It's hard part. It's very hard. It's very, very hard. It's very, very hard. And that's Halakha and Shulchan Aruch. When you eat in your house, you should eat as if Hashem is there with you. The way you eat. In other words, there's no one there. Do you eat when no one's there with Derek Eretz? It's very, very, this is one of the hardest things to do. Especially when you're hungry. No one's around. You wolf it down, just wolf it down. Manners, no manners, there's no one there. Shulchan says, you got to eat as if Hashem is there. That's fucking Let's work on that. That's, 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 a, that's a very high level. These, these small halachot are really the high halachot. The first halachot in Shulchan Aruch, Ramah says, Shiviti Hashem lenegdi tamid. May Hashem's presence be always in your eyes, always between your head. It should always be in front of your head. What does that mean? Always thinking Yudke Vavke. Right, you have over here. A person should always think Yudke Vavke. How do you do that? A person's going to try their best. En od milvado. There's nothing except for God. That's it. The only power in the world is God. That's very high level. Very, very high level. Or think Yudke Vavke. It's interesting. People think it's Kabbalah and meditation. It's meditation. Yes. And it's uh, in the first halakha in Shulchan Aruch. To meditate on God's name. Yudke Vavke, that David Amela says, I put Yudke Vavke in front of my eyes all my life. Shudhi Hashem Negdit all the time. And the Ramah brings it down to the first halakha. So that's the key to all of Hashem. Hashem is with me all the time. And the trouble is when you don't think of Hashem, that He's not there. For you, He's not there. Because you put him out of your mind. It's, it's, it's okay, you put me out of your mind. I'm not here. So can you imagine a person goes to Shammai and they say, you know what? Hashem was with you five minutes today. How come? Because you thought about him five minutes. It's even hard to think about Hashem when we're praying. That's the irony. It's irony. It's a horrible irony. We're praying to him, but we're not thinking of him. We think about this, think of that. Mind is, it's crazy. It's bonkers. Imagine. It's such a horrible thing. It's hard. I can't control my brain. I can't control my mind. My mind's all over the place. It's, and it's the Yitzhak. If you see the great rabbis pray, you see the focusing with sweat. That's Avodah Shebalev. Why is it called Avodah? Why is it called... How can your heart do work? And the answer, the work is the focus. That's work. That's tremendous work. To focus the mind. Especially today, we're distracted. Look at cell phones and this and that. Every time you're getting buzzed for the cell phone, stupid phone, buzz. Hey, I was thinking about this, and the phone, off on a track. Mine goes off on a track. But even without cell phones, you're in the middle of Shmona, there's no cell phone. Hopefully. <laughs> Today they use cell phone to read the Shmona, it's worse. Why? Because you get all the messages coming in on top. Email came in, and the text came in. He's reading his text, and the Shmona at the same time. It's very, very hard. It's very hard to focus the mind. That's, that's the Avodah Shabbalev. That's what we have to try and do. And then we have to think about where does this deed I just did get me in terms of, my, in terms of Hashem? 
That's why it's linked to Yerat Shemayim. It's linked to the All of Hashem. Why? Because this deed is going to take me away from him. Okay, now we go to the angels. Let's bring a proof from the angels. Kfar matzanu shemelachim magedolim varamim, the great and the highest angels. Charedi veroashim tamim bebnei geut Hashem. They're scared and trembling all the time because of the greatness of that. Ad shabruzal, the mashal chachmata, until the rabbi said in the Gemara and Hagigai, a few gimel. Where does this spiritual river called the Dinor come from? From the sweat of these angels, these high angels, sweating out of fear. Hard to imagine an angel sweating. Obviously, it's just a mashal, it's a parable. In other words, the higher you get to God, the closer you get to God, the more you should start sweating. Scary stuff. Why? Because then you see, yeah, Hashem is there. It's all inspiring. That's why we go back three steps in the Shemun Esrei. Why do we go back three steps in the Shemun Esrei? It says, Rabbi Shai says, the Jews, when they came to Har Sinai, and they started getting this, uh, the mountain was shaking, and they ran. Three parasot, the Midrash says. We'll be around here. This is scary stuff. Hashem, Eshokhlad, this week's parasha. Ekim. God is a fire that eats. That's the, that's the, it's meant to be awe-inspiring for us. We're meant to be awe-inspired. Moshe Rabbeinu sees a burning bush, he falls flat on his face. It's inspired. It's, we have to be inspired. But on the other hand, there's love as well. There's love and there's, it's like a parent. You have to respect your parents and you have to honor your parents. There's the honor and the... Safety applies to Hashem. There's love of Hashem, there's all of Hashem. There's the respect and there's the honor. So you honor Hashem by doing mitzvot. We respect Hashem by not doing Averot. If you're scared of someone, you're not going to listen to them. You're not going to do bad. Especially when they're around. Would you speed if the cup is right behind you? You'd be like crazy to do that. Even if you're just one mile over the limit. I'll tell you a story about the guy. Just one mile over the limits. And the cop is right behind him. And he's driving for miles. Eventually he stopped him. Not only was he driving just over the speed limit, but also he was, he was in the fast, fast lane and the cop was right behind him and he didn't move away, he's an idiot. You're going to be scared. Yeah, it's interesting because some kids are not scared and some kids are scared. The kids who are scared, they're not going to get into trouble because their fear is going to save them. They're not going to, they're not going to do anything wild because they have fear of heights. They're going to fall, they're going to cut themselves. They're smart kids. Kids are not scared. That's the scary kid. It makes me scared. <laughs> the parents are scared of the kid who's not who's not scared. He's gonna get himself in trouble. Fearless. One of my brothers, my father, could repeat. Always wear shoes when you go out. Always wear shoes when you go out. Ah! Okay. Cuts himself one day. Cuts glass stuck in his foot. Horrible. So a kid who has no fear, safety with us. If we have no fear of Hashem, it's very scary. We're going to cut ourselves with the glass. Spiritually, we're going to cut ourselves. It's a horrible thing. We don't really realize. That's what Yirat Chet. Yirat Chet. Fear of the sin is what? Cutting oneself spiritually. Oy, oy, oy. And we wish we could see this. 
wish we could imagine this. If you're sensitive enough, you'll feel it. But as I spoke last night, I feel, I feel the difference. But I saw something that you shouldn't see. If you feel, I should feel. You feel different. I feel the difference. Feel difference. It's like you should feel something. That's Yirat Ched. Yirat Ched is, I feel the difference before the sin and after the sin. We're talking about, on the Gemara, we're talking about how David Melech sinned with Bathsheba, whatever the sin was, so did he sin, not sin, whatever. But he says, Chatati Lashem, I sinned to Hashem. He couldn't even approach God anymore. He had to pray Hashem, Hashem's Fatai Tiftach. Psalm 51. Hashem's Fatai Tiftach, that's what he said before the Shemunashem. I can't even approach you. I'm scared. I can't approach you. I can't approach you. That's the fear of sin. The sin took me away from you. It says Yaakov Avinu. Esav is coming and Yaakov is scared. Hashem already told him. Don't worry. He's scared about it. Rashi says he was scared. In case the sin took away his merits. That's fear of sin. His fear of the sin. He wasn't scared of Esav. Imagine, this is wild. Imagine. He got an army situation. The army, I'm not scared of the army. I'm scared I don't have the merits. I don't, I'm scared of the sin. That's powerful. Because if I have the merits, I'm not scared of the army. If Hashem is on my side, I'm not scared of anything. I'm not even scared of But Hashem will only be on my side if I'm worthy. That was Yaakov in his fear. So even though Hashem said, I'm on your side, Yaakov says, I know, but it's conditional on my behavior. So that's fear of sin is, because the sin can take away God's protection. That's it's scary stuff. Can, a person can kill themselves spiritually. It's spiritual suicide. It's very hard to imagine. We have to imagine this. A person does a sin, is like jumping off the cliff. Spiritual cliff. Suicide. Spiritual suicide. What are the worst sins? Three cardinal sins. Idolatry. Immorality. God hates immorality. Idolatry, immorality, and murder. But there's different kinds of murder. This murder is shaming someone in public. Ay, ay, ay. Ay, ay, ay. So you've got to be careful. Very, it's so hard to be careful shaming someone in public. It's so hard. It's very hard not to humiliate someone in public. Uh, Sometimes we do it unwittingly. We make a mockery, we make a joke. Someone's over there, his face turns color. Hi. That's a hard one. It's so hard. It's so hard. And sometimes the person's new in town. We talked about this morning how the Sefer Achino says to this week's parasha, You will love the convert. That's how Rambam explains it. Love the convert. person converted to Judaism, we have to love them. What do you mean love them? Help them. Look after them. There's no one to look after. They have no parents, no this, no that. Look after them. It's not just love. Uh, I love you. Bye-bye. <laughs> That's not love. Love is helping someone. Helping someone. It's chesed. Do chesed to them. Sefer Achino says, it doesn't only apply to converts. It applies to all strangers. Someone new moved into town. Glad I'm here to help them. Greet them. Someone new in the shul. Greet them. Help them. It's an amazing concept. Amazing. The opposite is to humiliate them. Ah, that's what these do. That's Saddam. Someone new moves into town. Ah, now's the opportunity. Oh, he has no one to look after him. He's not rich. He's poor. Let's kill him. Humiliate him. Take advantage of him. The poor man, 
take advantage of. The blind man will trip him up. The Torah says, don't trip up a blind man. The deaf man will curse him. The Torah says, don't curse a deaf man. Why does the Torah have to say it? Because it was very, very common in those days. If you were weak, pray. Easy pray. Because it was the rule of the jungle. That's what Hitler wanted to bring back, the rule of the jungle. If you're sick, easy pray. If you're young, easy pray. Amazing. Sick. Sick society. Sick society. If you're not strong, you're finished. Decimated. That's it. Whereas Abraham Avinu came along, no. If you're weak, I'll look after you. And he wants you to look after you. If you need food, I'll come and give you food. It's an amazing concept. It's the opposite. It's counterintuitive to what was there before. It's a paradigm shift. If you're in need, that's my job. I'll help you. That's wild. That's wild. It's... So look at the fear of the angels. Man, who am I? I'm not an angel. But what we're saying is the closer you feel to God, the more the awe there is. The angels have fear of God because they're closer. Maybe they weren't treating him properly. And that's the truth. The truth is, can you imagine those days where the kings had absolute power? Being a courtier in the king's palace. I wouldn't like to be a courtier in the king's palace. Right? You sneeze in the wrong way. Imagine the guy's trembling, doesn't want to move. Imagine. The king is there, and he's standing attention. He's t- I don't budge. You see the king's, uh, till today, the queen's, queen of England, the, the guards have to stand motionless. They stand for hours. Imagine there's a twitch. You know, they, they used to put the guards outside. Now they put them inside because the American tourists would come with feathers and try and tickle them. Such torture, you know. The guy wasn't allowed to move. And they're torturing him. So they put them now behind so that no one can touch him. Imagine the guard outside and the tourists coming back trying to make him move. So you're standing over there in front of the king, terrified. One wrong move, literally, one wrong move. Just recently, Salam Hussein, right? You'd have a meeting once a year with his generals and they'd take one or two guys out to shoot them. So they imagine the other guy sitting inside hearing shots. Sitting over there, like, the top generals over there. The bravest guys in the army sitting over there. Who's going to be next? You know? That's how you sit before a king. You have to imagine that. How do you sit before a king? We don't know. We're, 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 we're in Lala Land. We don't know. There's a king in front of us. Hard to see. I don't see the king. And even if we saw the king, we wouldn't know how to behave in front of a king because we lost that. We don't know how to behave before a king. We can't even behave before a teacher. Go to school. Because the teachers are scared of the students. Even in front of a principal. No one's scared. Go to see the president. They think people are scared. Maybe in a courtroom. Maybe. Maybe there's a judge over there. I don't know. If you're in the jury, you're not really scared of the judge. It's like only one guy's scared of the judge. Because there the judge can, you know, if you misbehave in a courtroom, they can judge can say three years, three days in jail. Straight away on the spot. It's contempt of court. It's punishable. So these angels were terrified. Now, this is interesting because the more fear of, of Hashem we have, the more close Hashem is. Because the fear is coming from the closeness. So the more we envision Hashem, Hashem is with us, it's, it's a good thought. It's a protective thought. Hashem is with me. I'm not scared. Wrong! You should be scared more! 
David Amena says, even though, uh, even though I go through the valley of shadow of death, I fear no evil because you are with me. He doesn't say, I don't fear you, I fear no evil. I fear you, though. That's a famous question the Gemara has. I can't remember when Roman asked the rabbi. I can't remember who which rabbi it was. I mean, sure, Rabbi Akiva. And the Roman says, I'll bring you a proof from your own Torah that our God is bigger than your God, stronger than your God. He says, where? Moshe Rabbeinu ran away from the snake, but he didn't run away from God. So the rabbi says, fine. He says, you can run away from a snake, but run. Where are you going to run to God? How are you going to run away from God? God is everywhere. You can't run away from God. That's what David Abinach says. I go through the valley of shadow of death. I fear no evil. It doesn't say I don't fear you. The only reason why I fear no evil is because I fear you. I fear you so much, there's no room for any other kind of fear. Who says that parable? The guy says he's walking down the street and a dog came. He's scared of the dog. Behind the dog, he saw a tiger. Scared of the dog, a tiger. Then behind the tiger, he saw a lion. He said, I forgot about the dog and the tiger. There's a lion over there. Same thing with Hashem. If you really believe Hashem is there, and if there's all of Hashem, I'm not scared of anything else. And that's the way it should be. That's the, that's the highest level. That's, that's all of Hashem. And that's what you see with Daniel. Right? The king says, whoever prays to God is going to be burnt in the fiery furnace. Oh, sorry. He's going to go to the lion. Sorry. That was, that was his three friends. He's going to go into the lion uh, in, the, in the Gulf Ararayot. He's going to go into the lion's den. Okay. He prayed in the window. In your face. Think about it. He prayed. He didn't have to pray in the window. He could close the windows. Daniel did not change one iota of what he did. I'm scared of Hashem. I'm terrified of Hashem. I don't care. I don't, I'm not scared of the king. I'm not scared of what he's going to do to me. I'm scared of Hashem. I fear Hashem. Boy, that's... So how do you get to that level? How do you get to that level? Come on, you could have closed the windows. No trouble. You could have prayed behind the closed windows. No! Windows open, facing Jerusalem. That's what we learn now. The, the shul has to have 12 windows... And the, uh, the windows in the front should face you as Jerusalem. Wow, wow, wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's, that's, that's Yerat Shemayim. That's Yerat Hashem. That's a fear of God. Because that's fear of God, will fear nothing else. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.